0: We have a special privilege this morning. Camp Judah is starting up this week, for anybody who didn't realize that. So we have a bunch of the staff here from Camp Judah, and we have a guest speaker who's going to be speaking um, up at Camp Judah for the first uh, three days, and we have the privilege of having him here this morning. His name is Marty And We were talking last night about what a crazy way it is that we even got to know Marty. We used to do this conference in Buffalo, and we had like this guest speaker lined up, and we had all the promotional materials sent out. Everything was good to go. And it was like a week before the conference, and the s- guest speaker fell through. So we're like, oh my goodness, like, what are we gonna do? Like, we sent out all the materials saying this guy was gonna be the guest speaker. He was like the, the main speaker for the whole entire event, and he can't come. So we called this guy who we knew who used to speak at our conference a couple times, and we said, like, Is there any way you could come? And he said, I'm sorry, like, I can't, I'm already booked. He's like let me give you my friend's number. So we're like, okay. So we call his friend, Adam McCain. And we ask him like, "Hey, is there any way you would be willing to come to our event? Like this is the this is the deal. Our speaker just bailed on us." And he's like, "I'm sorry, I'm already booked." He's like, "But let me give you my friend's number." <laughs> so we're like, "Okay, so now we're just pulling random names out of a hat, you know. Like we don't know who these people are. So we call this guy. His name is James. So we're like, hey, James, like, is there any way you'd be going to come to our, we, we, get, we went and like watched a couple YouTube videos of him preaching and like, okay, at least he's a Christian, like, we're, go, we're okay. <laughs> so we watched a couple of videos of James and so then we call him up and we're like, hey, is there like any way you could, you could preach at uh, our, our conference? And he's like, I'm really sorry, but I'm booked that weekend. He's like, but I have a guy's number. <laughs> so we're like, okay, so he gave us this guy's number. And so he gave us Marty's number, and he told Marty, which wasn't true, but I think he was just mistaken. He told him that Adam McCain had accidentally double-booked, which he, Adam was the second guy that we called. He was like, Adam really messed up. He do- double-booked a conference. He can't speak. Is there any way you can speak? And so Marty's like, I didn't know this at the time. It's a good thing he didn't tell me this when I called him to ask. But He said, I've never preached at like a youth conference or anything like that. Like He's, like, he's telling James, the guy who he was talking to, he's like, I preach for my youth group and for my church. I've never done anything like that. He's like, if you, think you can, if you think I can do it, I guess I'll do it. So the guy said, yeah, you can do it. It'll be fine. So we call Marty up. We're like, Marty, is there any way you can come? He's like, yeah, I'll be there. We're like, all right, somebody's coming. And so Marty came to our conference, and it was powerful. It was impactful. It was amazing. We've had him back to multiple camps. He's spoken at Saturate, the Youth Leaders Summit, and all of that from that really strange thing where this guy bailed on us. So... Would you guys welcome Marty this morning? That's the way it worked, man. <laughs> and that's the way it worked
1: out. And so, man, I will never forget that phone call. I had never, I was telling Pastor Jonathan, I had never been anywhere. Um, but my own youth group on, on Wednesday nights at that time of, you know, just a couple of 30, 40 kids. And, and so when I got that phone call, I said, now, where, where is this camp? <laughs> Buffalo and it's massive. There's going to be a billion people there, and, you know, it's going to be the most incredible thing, and I said, uh, I said, man, I, I, I've i never really been anywhere. He says, okay, you got this, man, and so, listen, uh, I guess they just went through the entire Rolodex of pastors in the world, and uh, by, you know, by happenstance, they found me all the way there in Gainesville, Georgia, just north of Atlanta, about an hour, and, you know, the rest is history, but, I uh, you know, I, I was telling Pastor Jonathan this morning that, Buffalo is, it's a, it's a very special place for me because it was the first place I ever, it was 2009, I believe it was, 2010, somewhere around in there. First place I ever spoke, uh, you know, outside of my little hometown. And uh, I, never, I never wanted to be in ministry. I never, I never asked uh, the Lord to let me preach. That was the farthest thing on my radar. Um, I, I had just been born again in 93, and in, in 1997, I went on a missions trip because I knew that the Lord uh, his heart was in that, you know. Why else would Jesus say, "Go"? <laughs> why else is it two thirds of God's name? Go. So, uh, <laughs> so I think it's just in heaven's heart for us to do that. And so I knew I wanted to go on a missions trip, and uh, and I did. I went to Bogota, Colombia, and uh, I'm a very—I was an introvert, I still am, pretty much an introvert. And um, but I knew I wanted to go and and help uh, uh, b- build the kingdom, not just in my hometown of Gainesville, but around the world. And so I went to Bogota, Colombia. And um, while I was there, uh, one, of the, one of the main speakers of the conference, we, we were able to to speak to, I don't know, six, 7,000 people at one time. And, and he comes back on the bus as we're traveling. And he said, hey, um, I really feel like tomorrow morning you're supposed to preach. And I said, hey, I really feel like you've missed it. <laughs> and and uh, he, he is a, a dear friend of ours, man of God. He's been all over the world. And he said, no, tomorrow morning, you're not only going to be uh, preaching, but you're going to be the first up to preach to 5,000 people. And I said, at that time, the most I'd ever spoke to was like my wife and my two kids, my dog. So there's like four in my audience. So I don't know what you guys are thinking, but you've missed it. You need to get somebody else. And he said, no, the Lord's already confirmed it. So, you know, I just know this, that man, after still traveling and speaking and, you know, dropping out of college because of a, a major, major fear of public speaking, that was my greatest fear. It still is to this day. People are like, <laughs> I know you've been all over the world. I still, that is the greatest fear in life. And people say all the time, Marty, you need to ask the Lord to, for, you know, to, to, to get that out of your life and, and to, uh, to remove that fear. And I said, absolutely not. Because if the fear is ever gone, then I'll know it's me and it's my talent and my gifting that could do this. And I, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I just told Pastor Jonathan over there, if it's up to me this morning, it's going to flop big time. But if the Spirit of God is in this thing, he'll do what he needs to do. And so... I told Pastor Jonathan, the first time I came in Buffalo, it was in Buffalo at the big conference. I don't know, a billion people at this conference, and I'm shaking up there preaching. But I'll never forget the first, uh, before I got up to preach, the last song of the set was uh, this song that at that time was so near and dear to me. It's called The Stand by Hillsong, and it just talks about arms high and heart abandoned, and that's the way I want to live my life you know, arms high, heart abandoned to anything else, and, and that just happened to be the last song of the set that those guys were singing, and, and it was like the Lord said, see, I've got you in this, I've got you, I know you're afraid, I know it's the, the greatest fear you have in life is, is public speaking, but I'm here and I will anoint you, and don't you know that little is much when God's in it, and don't you, aren't you glad that he will open doors no man can shut, and shut doors that no man can ever open for you, and he will make way for your gifting, and so just very grateful for the Lonavilles and what they mean to this community, and, and the pillars that they are, this church, this family, this, this leadership team, say, so can we give it up for, for them and, and Family Life Church, what God's doing here? Very grateful, grateful for this family. I, I tell my wife and my kids when I leave and my, my pastor's back home, we're on staff at a church there in Dawsonville, Georgia. It's a bleep on the monitor. If you've never heard of Dawsonville, you're not missing much. It's the home of NASCAR. That's where NASCAR got started. I always thought two guys got out there and were polishing and waxing their car. And one of them said, hey, NASCAR. But um, <laughs> evidently that's not how it started. It, <laughs> it actually started by them uh, racing moonshine from Dawsonville down to Atlanta and Alabama and Florida. And, and they kept getting busted by the cops. True story. And and so the, they got busted by the cops. And, and finally some guys got out into this big pasture and said, listen, we've got to get this moonshine to make some money. I know we're in church. We shouldn't be talking about moonshine, but it's okay. They said, we've got to make some money, and so, and so we've got to get this moonshine down there. And start, They started racing their vehicles in this pasture, and whoever had the fastest car, they said, we're going to load everything up in your car, give you the, you know, extra, extra money for you to run this stuff to Alabama and Florida so you can beat the cops. And then they said, well, hey, let's just make this a competition on Sunday afternoons, and we'll do this thing. We'll call it NASCAR. We'll race and make a billion dollars a weekend from people watching us race cars around the track. I think it's dumb. I don't like it, but it's whatever. That's where, I'm, that's where I'm from. I said all that to say that's my hometown, Dawsonville, Gainesville, Georgia area, north of Atlanta. So thank you for having us up here in God's country, Warsaw. We believe that the Spirit of God is in this place, he's in this town, and he is obviously in this church. Hello. Hey, if you have your Bibles real quick, can we go to um, Ephesians chapter 5? Um, very quickly, Ephesians chapter 5, if you've got your Bibles. Um, you know, I never thought I would say this, but if you have your Bibles on digital form, you can pull out your phone and go to BibleGateway.com or you can go to version. I never thought I would see the day when Bibles would be on phones, but some people have some people have it on their phones and that's awesome. Some, some phones light up, other ones will light you up. Stay lit? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Some of the older people are like, stay lit, I don't know what he's talking about. All I know is this: I like to carry this old school thing around because you know what? I never have to charge this. It's hard to cast out a devil when it's on five percent. You know what I'm saying? I can just pull this thing out any time and say, and say, come out in Jesus' name. But uh, you know, if you're down to three percent, you're like, hold on, devil, I got to go charge real quick, and then I'll come back. Or you know, Ephesians chapter five, and then uh, and then I'm going to get you to to go to Second Kings. Let's go ahead and flip over there. Hold your spot and. Ephesians 5 and then let's go to 2 Kings we'll hold our spot in Ephesians 5 go to 2 Kings chapter 4 and then once you find both of those Ephesians 5 and 2 Kings 4 2 Kings is in the Old Testament it's Genesis, Exodus, blah 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 blah, all the way over to 2 Kings just before you get to Malachi if you go to Malachi you went too far back up hit rewind go to 2 Kings 4 and then Ephesians 5 and when you get those would you stand to your feet as we read the word I love standing to read the Word, if you would just stand to your feet. I know most of you feel like you're in mass right now, but it's okay. Up and down and up and down. We're gonna read Ephesians five uh, first, and it'd probably help if I got there before I read it, and then um Second Kings chapter four. So Ephesians five, look at verse eighteen. We'll just read one verse in Ephesians five, verse eighteen, and then we'll go back to Second Kings four. So Ephesians five eighteen says this, and do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Somebody say, be filled with the Spirit. Spirit. Come on, say it like you mean it. Be filled with the Spirit. All right, now you're getting it. Now, Now go to 2 Kings chapter 4. You can forget your spot in Ephesians 5. Even though it said be filled with the Spirit, it's a commandment. Not asking. It's a commandment. Be filled. Hello. It's a commandment. Be filled. If you want to walk in power, you have to be filled. If you want to walk in the anointing, you have to be filled. If you want to walk in victory, be filled. If you want to walk in joy, be filled. Second Kings chapter 4, we're going to look at
2: verse 1 through 6. 2 Kings 4. The Bible says, now a certain woman.
1: You can stop right there and, 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 and expound on that just a little bit because anybody ever felt neglected or lonely or nobody knows my name? And, And here's a woman who goes down in history,
2: in the best-selling book of all time, and we never know her name. God's not into titles. He's into obedience, and so I'm going to move on because that's not in the message, but 2 Kings
1: 4, now a certain woman, one of the sons of the prophets, cried to Elisha, your servant is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. And when the vessels were full, she
2: said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. There's no more. I I don't have any more vessels. Mama, I don't have any more. They're they're done. It's, It's
1: over. They're all full. They're sitting right over there. I have no more empty vessels. He said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. Father, this is your word. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It brings correction, instruction. It brings revelation, illumination. Lord, today I pray it brings transformation in the lives of myself and all the hearers of your word. Your word is all we have. Your spirit we cling to. Lord, you're everything for us. We, we, we showed up this morning. We, we assembled together, not because we love good music and good people and good church. We love it because you're here. You're here. You're here. King of glory, you're here. Rose of Sharon, you're here. The lion of the tribe of Judah, you're here. And that's why we're here. So today move as you will in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. You can be seated. You can be seated. Hey, if you're one of those note takers, I encourage you to take some notes. Not because I'm all that in a bag of chips. I just believe that paper never forgets. And anybody 40 and over said, amen. I could remember anything. I could remember anything until I hit 40. Something happened at 40. I changed at 40. Something happened. At 40, I can't remember my, my, my two daughters' names. I'm like, which one are you? I don't have any idea. Dog, come here. What? Dog. My wife's like, that's Daisy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. My, my memory's just gone. But I know this. If I write something down, I can go back a week from now, two years from now, and look back and have something rekindled because paper never forgets. So I encourage you to take some notes, and if you're taking notes. Uh, I would write down as the title this morning, because everything needs a title, it's a point of reference, right, it's a point of reference,
2: if you're taking notes, and, and, and you want a title up there, I would put, running on empty, running on empty, I have, I have two daughters, they're both behind the wheel right
1: now, not right now, they're in church right now, but they drive, and, uh, and we just got the youngest one, her car, and, um, and, you know, there's some, there's some pretty important things when it comes to driving, like, you know, stay on your lane, you know, and stay on the right side of the road, and stay out of the ditch, and don't hit anybody, and, you know, get from point A to point B on time, and, you know, do it the safest way possible. But there's also some important things that most girls don't get. Guys, we, we tend to get, but but for girls, it's just like, I don't understand. Um, so my two daughters, maybe it's not up here, maybe you guys have got it, but down south, um... Uh, <laughs> And specifically, my two daughters, um, they're just like, Dad, I just don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, it's like the oil. Sometimes you need to change the oil in your vehicle. That's foreign to them. They're like, I don't understand. If I don't see it, is it really there anyway? I'm like, did I, did I, did I, am I responsible for you too? I don't understand. <laughs> yes, you need to change the oil. It's very important. Keep Monitor the oil. Come on. And, and that little gauge, that little gauge. Girls, do you understand what that gauge means, the F and the E? They're like, what? I have a gauge?
2: <laughs>
1: yes, yes, it's called a gas gauge. And uh, every time I get in your cars to move it, because we have, we have four vehicles, and, you know, mine, my wife, my two daughters, and, and every, every so often I have to get out there. I'm the guy, I'm like the chauffeur, right? I'm the guy that has to go, here's my keys, to move my car, because Carson's got to be at work at 7. I don't have to go to 8, so I have to move my car. little. I'm like, don't call me dad anymore. Never call me dad anymore. Call me Uber, okay? So I'm moving all the cars around and everything, and so I get in, and inevitably, I get in the car, and I crank it up, and I look, and that thing is pegged over there on the other side to E, and the little gas light's on. How many of you remember a vehicle that had no gas light? You know when it was empty when you're on the side of the road and you can't go any further. and But you did have a little warning. You did have a warning. You got the little... <laughs> <laughs> Y'all remember it? Then you're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I'm out of gas. That was your gas gauge. <laughs> that was the gauge. When it started doing that, oh, oh, my Lord. You prayed for downhill so you could just throw it in Neutron Coast at the gas station. But my two daughters, I'm like, hey, uh, you know, I just went out and moved the car. And, um, and Carson, your car is on E and there's a little light on. You know what that means? She's like, no. Is it, does that mean I'm in trouble? I go to my daughter Madison. I said, Madison, you're you're about to be 22 this year. I know. Do you know what that gauge in your car, the F and the E and your light being on? Do you know what that means? She's like, "Uh uh-uh, what?
2: Tell me. I said, babe, come here. Madison, Carson, come here. The F means full. The E does not mean enough.
1: (laughs) I've got enough. Don't stop at the station. I've got enough.
2: It means empty.
1: (laughs) Empty. And and, and I'm and I'm having this dialogue with my daughters, and I feel like the Spirit of God begins to speak to me. He's like, Marty, isn't it funny how most Christians run and operate this way? We want to see how far we can go on our own without stopping to fill back up. And, And if you could see the majority of believers all across the world,
2: all across the globe, right here in Warsaw, you would find that most people are running on empty and we come to church and then we sing great songs
1: and then we go home and we beat our kids and kick the dog and slap the cat and we're just mad all week and we don't like our jobs and it's ah we're frustrated and then Sunday we walk right back in and we smell good we look good and we're smiling we're like it's so good to be back at church (laughs) and we're running on empty if we could look right now there'd be yellow lights above every one of our heads like (laughs) I'm empty I'm running on empty 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 I was telling Pastor Jonathan just a few minutes ago, I was like, man, God has such a sense of humor. This is a first for me again, again, once again, this is a first for me in Warsaw, Buffalo area. This is a, this is a first for me. He's like, what? I said, man, I stayed up till 1245 tweaking and, and adding to my notes. Had everything stacked up this morning, my, 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 my black notebook with all my notes in it, my, my journal and my Bible. And somehow I walk out with just my journal and my Bible. I had eight pages of notes. Somebody say, thank God he didn't bring them. But I have eight pages of notes because as an introvert, as a a, afraid of public speaking, my greatest fear in life, I get here and I'm scrambling. I'm going through my bag like, oh my Lord, you're you're kidding me. Somebody's got to run 25 miles back down the road to get my black notebook with all my notes in it. This is the first time I've ever, in 17 years of full-time ministry, this is the first time I've ever stood up and preached with, with no notes. Because I have such a fear. Because I have such a fear of public speaking. And I told him right before I got up, I said, my fear is I'm going to get up there and I'm going I'm to lose my train of thought or where I'm at. I'm going to freak out. I'm not going to know. And, and with my notes, I can just read right along. But I believe the Lord is getting me to a different place because um, he, he's, he's wanting me to fully, fully trust him and what's been deposited on the inside of me and stop running on fumes of notes, and start being filled with the Spirit, and let Him do what He needs to do instead of trusting on what I can bring. Let's trust on what He can bring. That's a good place to say Amen right there. Our church. Can, can I just briefly talk about uh, something that's going on at our church right now? February the 11th of this year, our church has broken out into a revival. I've been in I've been in full time ministry 17 years. I've been in um I've been in this walk with Jesus. It should be a run or a but it's, it's a walk for most of us. We just like to take it slow, but Jesus wants us to run. Paul said, I ran my race. Well, all want what Paul did, but we don't want to do what Paul did. Paul said, I ran. And sometimes I feel like I'm walking, doing things at my, my speed. But our church, February, February the 11th, something happened. Something shifted, Pastor Chris. Something shifted in our church. I've never seen anything like it in 25 years. I'd been part of the Brownsville Revival. i have been down to Pensacola, Florida. Anybody ever heard of the great Father's Day outpouring in Pensacola, Florida with Father's Day of 1995? A man from Argentina was scheduled to speak one service, and he left five or six years later. They went seven nights a week. Thousands of people. I would wait in line for 12 hours in the Pensacola, 102-degree heat, in the shade. Twelve hours just to get into that building with thousands of people, balconies full, because the presence of God was there so strong. Miracles, healings, salvations. I have never seen anything like it in all my life until February the 11th at our church. Something happened. We have been praying. Last fall, we began praying. The beginning of the year, we started 21 days of prayer and fasting at our church, which a ton of churches do around the nation but, and around the world. But something shifted with our church and our staff. We begin to seek God more than we ever have. We begin to pray together as a staff in the sanctuary during the day. We would take an hour out of our day during the workday and say, We're not doing anything else. We're not returning another email or preparing another message or counseling or going to the hospital to visit until we go into that sanctuary and we all hit the altar for an hour and we seek God and we chase Him with all our hearts. When you pray and when you ask God to show up, He 100% every single time fulfills His word where He said, If my people, would humble themselves and pray and seek
2: my face and turn from their wicked ways. I'll what? I'll hear. I'll forgive and I'll heal. And a lot of
1: times we come and we pray, but we don't, we don't, we don't press through. I think sometimes we're just on the very verge of a breakthrough in our lives, but then we stop and back up. And God was, God was like, I was, I was ready to break through for just a moment. I was one more and I was ready to break through, but you stopped prematurely. Well, our church has experienced something so phenomenal. We have, we have hundreds coming on Sunday nights. We've never had Sunday night services in, in 17 years of being in full-time ministry. I've never seen it, but, but we started it back in February the 11th, and now we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing people get healed. In the past eight, nine weeks, we've baptized 176 people spontaneously. Listen, 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 you've got to hear this. We will fill up our baptismal pool. And tell people, listen, hey, we'll have baptism tonight if you want to come, come. If you want to be baptized, great. If not, don't worry about it. The majority of the people, it, 90 to 95% of the people that we are baptizing are people who came with no clothing, no nothing. They wore clothing into the building, I'm saying. No extra. I told you, I need some notes because I'm... Uh, they, they had clothing on, but they didn't have extra clothing. But during the, during the, the service, whether it was during the worship, whether it was during the, the word, or, or during the altar time, God would impress upon these people who brought no extra clothing. No extra clothing. That when we said, hey, we're going to pray for people at the altars. And now if you want to be baptized, you jump up there and you get in line. And last Sunday night, I personally was in the water. And I I handle all the water baptisms for Pastor Todd Smith. I was in the water and baptized 66 people in one night. Church started at 6 o'clock. We prayed from 5 to 6. I walked out at 11.45. We pray for revival. We want God to move, but when he does, I'm afraid it messes up our calendar, and then we say, hey, God, I don't have time for that. You know, I got to work tomorrow. Sunday night service, man, I got football I want to watch. Well, we don't back home because we have the Falcons, so we don't really watch the Falcons. They're, ter- they're terrible. They're terrible. But you do. You've got the bills. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we don't. We don't have much to watch. But, but. But I think the Lord wants us to rearrange our schedules and rearrange our agendas so He can come in. We don't have time for the Lord. We don't have time for Him and His movement because we're so busy. And it's until we get empty. It's until we get so empty that we say, Hey, hey, God, I have nothing. Would you fill me? The Bible says that as long as they
2: brought empty vessels into the house, the oil kept flowing. But the moment the moment when the sun said there's no more empty vessels
1: which represents hunger and thirst which represents people who need to be filled when when we get to the place where everybody's happy and everybody's content with what's going on the oil will cease and we'll have decent church and we'll have decent songs and we'll have great fellowship and food but we will have no power and no anointing and no oil Anywhere in the scriptures you see oil or fire or wind, that's a representation of the Holy Spirit. I hope you know that. Anytime you see that in the scriptures. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, and suddenly. Somebody say, and suddenly. Acts chapter 2 said, and suddenly there came a sound
2: and it was a rushing mighty wind. It's when the Spirit of God fell on Pentecost and hit that upper room. Here's what I love about that. It says, and suddenly there came a sound. Before you see something, you better hear something. Just letting that marinate for just a minute. Mm -hmm. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not coming. Mm -hmm. You probably haven't seen it yet because you haven't heard it yet. You probably haven't experienced your breakthrough or saw a breakthrough in your
1: finances or saw a breakthrough in your relationship or saw your children come back to Him. To, to, to the Lord Maybe you haven't seen all that Because you haven't heard it yet It's until you get alone in the quiet place When you begin to hear And develop an ear to hear The Bible says he who has an ear Let him hear Until you hear it You can't see it You need to hear it first And that's why when God gives you a word Has God ever given anybody a promise or a word Has anybody ever spoken God spoken something to you so strong You knew it was from him I knew my calling to ministry was from him I would never want to do this Never. My God, me speak in front of people? Absolutely not. God, get somebody else. I'll be the
2: hands. I'll do construction. I'll do whatever. But Lord, don't don't use this. Use my hands and my feet, not this. But I heard something. I heard the Lord say, this is what I want you to do for the rest of your life. I want you. I will use you. I will use you
1: as a prophet to the nations. I'll use use you to preach my word. That was in 1997 in Bogota, Colombia. I was broken, weeping, crying, hit my knees, and the Lord said, this is what I want you to do the rest of your life. Because I heard it, now I'm seeing it. You're seeing it because I heard something. Sometimes you don't have to hear it, somebody else has to hear it, and then you see it come to pass. But somebody's got to hear it. Something's got to come empty and void before God can fill it. I can prove that to you. In Genesis, the Bible says the earth was dark
2: and void and without form. Right? God never filled it with animals and, and people and, and, and foliage and water. He never filled it until he formed it. He formed it, then he filled it. He spoke it, something was heard, then it became visible.
1: The reason you're not seeing that thing manifest in your life is because you haven't got along with him and heard what he said about it. And then once he speaks it to you, you never deny it from that day forward. There's times when I'm speaking and I feel like God's so far away. There's times when I'm like, oh God, are you even here on a Wednesday night with my youth group here in Dawsonville? I don't even know. I don't even think they're connecting with me. I don't think they're hungry for you. God, can you just rapture me real quick and just get me out of this place? I don't think they're getting it. And Lord... When you do pour into these kids, when you do pour into these youth leaders, and then they fail morally, or they, or they get addicted, or they, or they lose their identity, and they go back to, to trying to figure out what, what, what even gender they are. What gender? The, what are you trying to figure out what gender you are? I'm selecting my
2: gender. What does that even mean? What, what are you talking about? Look around. You can tell exactly what you are. It doesn't take long. It's anatomy. God made you that way. Male or female, that's how he made you. You don't get to select. Who told you that? Who told you that? Come on, man. God spoke it, male and female. God spoke into dust. Breathed into dust. Here
1: comes a man. Knocks the man out. Pulls a rib out of him and says, here comes a woman. God spoke that. He spoke everything into existence. He spoke And waters were formed. He spoke and there was land. He spoke and there was cows running around. He spoke it. God spoke it. God said it. And after he said it, he said, it's good. There was one time when God said, he spoke something and created something. And there was one time when he spoke it and
2: created it. And he said, that's not good yet. You know what it was? Man to be alone. After created man, he said, "Mm, close, but that ain't good. (laughs) He's going to need somebody to help him. Thankfully,
1: hello, all the men said, hello, God sent me somebody that was my helpmate. God looked at that man, he goes, mm, that's not quite there. It's all right, but it ain't good. It is all right, but it ain't. After he spoke that woman, he said, now it's good. Now it's good. Now it's good. When God yeah. speaks something to, you you, cling on to that, you, you cling to that word until it comes to pass and after it comes to pass. When God speaks something, you cherish that thing for the rest of your days. When God speaks it, it shall come to pass. And don't you ever doubt in the dark what God spoke to you in the light. Because dark season is going to come. The bills are going to stack up and you have no money. There's going to come a time when you, have, when you have no more empty vessels. There's going to come a point when you have no more capacity. You have nothing else left. And the bills are, are stacked up and they outweigh the income. Your income is far less than your outgo. And you have to remember the word, Jehovah said, I am Jireh in your life. I'm Jehovah Jireh, I'm the Lord who provides for you. Don't doubt it, don't freak out, don't panic, help is on the way. Breakthrough's coming. But I look in in Ephesians uh, uh, 5 when he said, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you go back and look at the tense of the way that word was spoken, past, present, future, if you look at the tense of the way that, that word was given and spoken, it is not, be filled with the Holy Spirit, a one-time filling. He's not saying, come here and be filled, and that's good, you're good, walk away, you're good. The tense that that was spoken in is, be filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. Some people, some people base their, 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 their uh, anointing, their, their power, their... their uh, 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 power of God in their life off a one-time thing that happened 27 years ago, but you haven't
2: come back to be filled. That's why you're empty and you're floating on fumes of faith. Your faith is on fumes because you haven't come back to be filled.
1: The book, Ephesians 5 says, keep on being filled. Why do I need to keep being filled? Because when you go out those doors in just a moment, you're going to walk out to a world that you're going to spill over onto. I hope you're spilling out when you walk out. I hope you're spilling out at work. I hope you're spilling out at school. I hope you're spilling out at Bible college. I hope you're spilling out everywhere you go that God's word spills out of you. That joy spills out of you. That peace spills out of you. That hope spills out of you. I hope the word of God is being spilled out of you every week. So at some point, you've got to come back and fill up that tank.
2: Or else your faith is going to be on fumes. Somebody say running on empty. I believe that's the majority of us. We're running. But we're running on empty. And the Lord said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with power. Be filled. In Acts chapter 2, when the Bible says, and they were all filled.
1: Acts chapter 1, you back up to 1 verse 8, where it says, you shall be filled. You shall be endued. You shall be filled with power. That word power, you know what that word comes from? Dunamis. That's where we get the word dynamic or dynamite. In other words, Christ wants to fill you with the Spirit of God so you can go out there and blow some things up. That relationship that's falling apart, you should be able to walk in that situation. That thing blows up for the glory of God. You should be able to walk into your job where it's lack and it's a dead-end job and you hate it and it's miserable because the people around you are so miserable. You should be able to walk in that place with power and explode the whole thing, and now it's like a woo! It's a
2: celebration because you're full of power. But the more you spill, the more you need to be filled. And so at our church, uh, we've been
1: seeing miracles and, and, and signs and wonders all because the oil has begun to flow over that house in Dawsonville, Georgia. And I believe that it's not by mistake. I believe it was a setup back in 2009 or 2010 when I first came. I believe there was a, a relationship that was built between us. Because what's happening in Dawsonville, it's not a regional thing, it's not a church thing. It's a global thing. God wants to pour out his oil in every church across America and the world. He wants to pour out his spirit beyond measure.
2: He said, if you keep bringing empty vessels, I'll fill them. Keep bringing empty vessels, I'll fill them every time. Come come empty. When you go
1: out of these doors, spill out into your family. Spill out on the job. Spill out whatever you do. Spill out at camp this week. My God, counselors, when you go this week, spill over into those
2: kids. Give those kids hope. Give those kids purpose. Spill out. But at some point, you better get filled back up
1: or your faith is going to be on fumes. Keep on being filled. I was in my cabin this morning, lifting both hands. God, fill me. Fill me with your power, fill me, fill me with your oil, fill me with your fire, fill me with your wind, because I can't do this without you. I need you. Six Sunday nights ago, I was in Dawsonville, Georgia, baptized a little girl, and I got to close, Baptize a little uh, 16-year-old girl, 15, 16-year-old girl. She comes up out of the water, power God. When we baptize people, I, I can't explain this, and I hope this doesn't freak you out too much, but, but it's coming to this house. We're baptizing people. And I've been part of baptism. I've baptized a thousand people in rivers, in, in horse troughs, in, in baptismal pools. We baptize anywhere. Swimming pools. At summer camps, we baptize in swimming pools. But I've never seen baptisms, water baptisms like this. Since February the 11th when revival hit and, and marriages are being restored and people are, are being born again and people are coming back to the Lord and people are, are, are being filled with the Holy Ghost and filled with the Holy Spirit and full of power and, and amazing things. But I've never seen water baptisms whereas we baptize these people and they come out of the water and and some of them immediately come up and they're out of the water and they begin to shout and celebrate but within three to five seconds they begin to go into like a fetal position. Some Begin to shake like violently, never seen this i've never seen this, and they begin to shake violently, and some of them we have to carry out of the water baptismal pool because they 're so weeping and broken they can't they do 't even know where they're at i'm like i don't understand this, but if you pick up the word from front to back, you'll see where at times the power of God sits down on a pe- on a person so strong they can't they can't function they can't they can't do anything because it's the power of God that sits down on you. All through the script, Old Testament, it happened. They would tie bells around the, 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 the priest's ankles. And as long as they heard the bells ringing, they knew the priest was in there doing his thing and walking around. But if they ever heard the bells stop ringing, they knew, you better start dragging that rope, he's dead. Or he's, in, he's, he's, out of, he's, he's under the power of God, get him out. Because the power of God is so strong. Listen, if you stick your, I don't recommend this, but if you put, if you, if anybody ever been shocked? Just a little pop, just a little, hey, with electricity? How much more the creator of the universe who spoke stars out there and flung them out there, how much more the God who, who took earth and spun it and said, you stay right there and don't move another inch closer or an inch further away or you'll destroy the whole thing? How much more the God of the universe who takes the sun and says, stay there, moon, stay there, water, stay there, land, stay there, how much more the God of the universe who created all this power? When He sits down on you, that little socket over there that you stuck your little hand in and took a shock is nothing compared to Him. When He sits down on you, the power of God is released from heaven and it bypasses your flesh to where it's overwhelming. We're picking these people up and having to take them out of the water baptism. They're shaking. Some are weeping. Some are shouting. Some are some are celebrating. It. it It's it's not cookie cutter. There's so many ways that people are manifesting.
2: But every single time we know it's the Lord. We know it's the Lord. And here's how you know. Here's how you know it's the Lord. By what happens tomorrow. By what happens next week. The Bible says you'll know them by the fruit that they bear. If there's no fruit, I'd check the root. If there's, no manif- if there's a manifestation, shaking, trembling,
1: crying, if there's a manifestation, there better be a demonstration. Your life better change. There better be transformation. Your life better change. That's how we'll
2: know if it's God. So we baptized this little girl. named Alyssa. Comes up out of the water. She goes home.
1: Goes to, to, to her friend's house the next day. We, we posted a video about the baptism. Just a baptism service. We baptized, I think, 22 that night, a couple of, seven weeks ago. She comes out of the water. She goes home the next day. She goes to a friend's house or hanging out or whatever. She shows the friend. She she pulls out her phone. She goes, look at this video, Christ Fellowship Church in Dawsonville, where where I attend. She goes, look at my baptism. There's a video they put out. Check this out. And she showed her friend. And her friend looks at it. She goes, you got baptized last night? Alyssa said, yeah, you see it. It's on the video. The video doesn't lie. That's me. She said, Alyssa, you got baptized last night. She goes, yeah. Isn't
2: that awesome? She goes, you don't understand. You have aquagenic urticaria. It's a skin disease. She's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, I've forgotten. This girl, when she would take
1: a shower, when she would get in the pool, she would get out, and immediately her skin would turn fire engine red and rash, and she would have to take massive doses of Benadryl and go straight to bed because she'd have a migraine that would attach itself to it. It's a disease, aquagenic urticaria. And and Alyssa's like, oh my gosh, we didn't even think about that. Every time the girl's ever hit water, pool, shower, bath, whatever, anytime she hits water, she breaks out in in rash and and it itches and it's, uh, it's very painful sometimes.
2: And Alyssa said, I was baptized last night, fully submerged. My entire body, every fiber of my
1: being went underwater. And not one ounce of redness, not one itch, not one migraine, nothing. From that day forward, nothing has come back on that girl.
2: Why? Because she came empty and God filled that little girl. When the oil comes, healing comes. When the oil comes, joy comes. When the oil comes, power comes. When the oil comes, everything fleshly's got to go. I just wonder this morning, is anybody empty? I wonder if there's anybody that just says, man, I, I am so dry. I'm
1: empty. I need God to fill me with power. I'm, I'm going to close with this story
2: because I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1995. And the, the power, the, the
1: anointing, the revelation, the, the clarity of hearing God speak to you,
2: it comes. 2010, eight years ago, one of my youth leaders came to me. She's, she, she set up an
1: appointment uh, right before Wednesday night service. My wife was there. And it was me and my wife and this, this at that time, 34-year-old woman comes into my office with her husband. They sit down on my couch and they are, they are weeping right across from me. I'm in my desk, my wife's sitting beside me. This this couple is sitting there weeping. She's 34, 35. They proceed to tell us that she had went in for a, uh, a checkup on her heart. She had a little flutter in her heart. And she went in to check the heart, and the heart was fine. They, they, they had some kind of, it got out of rhythm or something, and they corrected it. It was all fine. It was good. The heart was fine. But as they were doing some blood work and, and things like that, they called her back in and said, uh, Monica, we need, to, we need to get you back in here. So Monica goes back to the doctor and says, is it my heart? And they said, no, your heart's fine. She's like, whew. Thankfully, you know, I'm 34, I don't need to have a heart attack or anything like that. And they said, no, your heart's good. It's your pancreas we're concerned about. She's like, what's wrong with my pancreas? And they said, well, we don't know how it's to tell you. But you have two masses on your pancreas, and one's the size of a lemon, but the other is the, the size of a grapefruit. And if you know anything about pancreatic cancer, that is one of the most aggressive forms of cancer, and it will take you out in a, in a moment. And so long story short, she's in the doctor's office for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, and, uh, and, they, and they find the, the pancreas has one of the massive grapefruit-sized tumor. It's wrapped around her pancreas like, uh, like a jellyfish, tentacles all around it, like spaghetti noodles. And they said, even if we could do surgery, there's absolutely no way we can cut all that stuff away. It's just impossible. So she said, what
2: does that mean to me? And they said, uh, it means 24 months to you. She's like, 24 months, what? Chemo? And they said nothing.
1: No, your, your life, if it makes it two years, that is, the, that is the maximum. You will not make it past two. We can guarantee that. These are trained professionals, medical doctors. She flew up to Pennsylvania. Coca-Cola put her on an airplane and flew her up here because she didn't have money for, the, for, for all of it. She's just weeping and broken. And, um, and, um. You know, they were going to try to do the surgery or whatever, and they put on some chemo. But in my office that day, I'm sitting there, and it's me and my wife and those two, and they're just bawling. We're bawling because she's like, I'll never see my son graduate. He was a freshman in high school at that time. She said, I'll never see my son graduate. Ward will never be able to walk his son down the aisle, you know, or, or stand there with his, with his son, and um, we'll never see him married. We'll never see grandkids from him. We'll never see all that. She's just weeping and broken. And My wife, we're, we're, we're broken, and I'm weeping, and I'm like,
2: wait a doggone minute. Wait a minute, either we believe the report of that doctor, who I'm, I, don't, I, I, I don't deny that
1: he has education beyond li- limits and anything above me, but I will, I will deny that he has intelligence greater than the great physician, because Jesus said,
2: hello, I came for the sick. Jesus said, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I come to give you death? No. Come to give you life and
1: life more, which means I'm not interested in you just surviving. I want you to thrive. I'm not interested in you just getting by. I want you to succeed in everything and not just be successful, be significant. So I said, wait a minute. And this holy anger began to come up on the inside of me. And I asked, I said, Spirit of God, you fill me right now. I'm empty and I don't know what to say, but Spirit of God, fill me. Give me the words to say right now. And just like that, I had this vision of Monica. Just, just like that. I said, Monica, we're, we're, we're crying. We've been there for 45 minutes, I guess, just crying. And I said, Spirit of God, fill me. He gives me this revelation, this vision. I said, Monica, you will live and not die, says the Lord. She's like, I'd like to believe that. I said, no, 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 no. No, it's the word. I'd, I'd let them cut my head off and drag me down the street if I didn't believe this word. You will live and not die. And then boldness started coming. That oil started flowing in my body. I said, you will live and not die. Matter of fact, I see you. And she had never been on a mission trip before in her life. I said, I see you on foreign soil with red dirt under your feet with a bunch of African uh, people around. And I'm like, I don't even know why I'm saying African. Maybe Why why can't she go to Thailand or somewhere? I'm like, I see African people all around you and African babies all around you. And you're giving your testimony about the goodness of God and the power of God in your life. And how he healed you miraculously. And I see you in a brown dress
2: with a pink rose on it. And I said, now you can either receive it or not. She said, I receive it. They left. That was 2010. We left that church in 2013. 2014 the pastor of that church we had left with Monica and Ward in it decided to go on a missions trip to Kenya. Monica felt that she was supposed to go. Raised the funds to go. Two weeks before she's leaving, a young man that was in our youth ministry a long time ago
1: found that she was going on this missions trip and he said, Monica, I've always loved you and I've always respected you. Called the husband and said, Ward, would you mind if I bought her something to wear? Because they had to have uh, one outfit per night of where they went into the church. And, they, and, and in the specific village that they were going to, the women were well-respected if they came in, in a dress. Not just pants, not shorts by any means, but a dress. And so this young man said, um, if you don't mind, I would love to buy Monica a dress. So, so he and, the, and Ward, the husband coordinated it, and he brought her a dress and, and uh, presented it to her. And, but on Facebook, uh, you know, Facebook makes the world a whole lot smaller. But on Facebook, it's real easy to get caught up in other people's things, and it's real easy to, to put indirect messages out there to people. And, and Monica had put on there uh, that, that, that prayer, that, that vision that the Lord had given me about the brown dress and pink crows And she had posted on Facebook how, you know, Pastor Marty and Miss Paula prayed for me, and I believe it, I'm going to Kenya now. This was four years after the word came you got to hear it before you can see it, right? So four years after we gave her that word, she is uh, posting on Facebook, I'm getting ready to go to Kenya. Here's the word that Pastor Marty gave me. I'm in a brown dress with a pink rose. And my former pastor's wife got on there and was, and was saying, oh, how funny. He doesn't know. Uh, he missed it, whatever. He doesn't know that pink is, is the color for breast cancer. Purple is for pancreatic
2: cancer. And it was almost a little stab, you know. I was like, oh, my gosh. And, and she even put on there, you know, sometimes we all miss it. And I said, Paula, we don't respond to that at all.
1: Stop responding to that drama on Facebook, people. Stop yeah. responding. Yeah. I said, we will not respond to that. I know what God said to us, and I know it shall come to pass. I don't care about colors. It's not, I, didn't, I didn't come up with a color. I don't know any colors for cancer. Who cares? I don't even like cancer. I hate it. Go back to the pit of hell where you came from. I don't know about colors. All I know is what God spoke to me. Brown dress, pink rose. And so I said, don't respond to that. Stay away from that that drama. We're just going to cling to the oil of God when he said brown dress, pink rose. Two days before Monica's getting ready to head out to Kenya, she opens up this this box from Bradley McKee. Opens up this box. Beautiful brown dress with with some white on it. She said, but Marty, I opened it up. It was a brown dress, but no pink rose. I said, that's okay. I just know what God told me. She said, yeah, it was a brown dress, but it didn't have any, it has some white on it, but no pink rose. No pink rose anywhere. I said, that's okay. I know what God spoke to me. She said, until I looked at the label of the dress, the brand of the dress was pink rose. <laughs> Four years. Four years after, and I said all that to say, it's not a person, it's the Spirit of God who is 100% accurate every single time. It's the Spirit of God. Listen, I'm a little donkey from Gainesville, Georgia. Hee-haw, hee-haw. I don't know, all I know is, God, you tell me what to say and I'll say it. You tell me where to go and I'll go. You tell me how to do what I'm doing and I'll do it. That's all I've ever prayed. Simple prayer. I'll go where you tell me to go, say what you tell me to say, and do what you tell me to do. It's very simple. At that point, you just become PVC pipe, and whatever he downloads, you're just the transference to get to where it needs to go. That's it. But I wonder how many people are running on empty this morning. I wonder how many people say, I want that power in my life. I wonder how many people say, man, I need Jesus to to invade my life 100%. Let him come in and overflow. Let him fill this empty vessel with all he's got. Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe God's going to move mightily this week at camp. I believe God's going to save some teenagers. I believe teenagers will be born again at at Camp Judah. I believe kids will be baptized in the Holy Spirit at camp. I believe God's going to transform some some students and leaders and myself at Camp Judah this week. But I also know what he wants to do this morning. I also know what he wants to do this morning. Can, Can we stand all over the room and as we bring this thing to a close? And as the woman, as the woman with All the empty vessels, the Lord filled and filled and filled and filled and filled until the moment when there was no more empty vessels. As long as there's one empty empty vessel in the room, God will come and sit down and He will fill. He'll fill the ones that are empty. He
2: will fill the ones that are presented to Him. So I don't know if you're a young man, older woman, Child, I don't don't know. I don't know who you are in this place this morning. But
1: I do know this. You know that you're empty. You know that you need more of Jesus. You You need more of the Holy Spirit in your life. You want more. You know you were created for more. And so can we just close our eyes real quick? And maybe if you're in this place, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ and this whole church thing is new to you. The Bible says Jesus himself spoke and said,
2: I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father unless they come through me.
1: Maybe you're in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What a great and beautiful day it would be for you to come empty and say, Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you save me and forgive me of my sins? The Bible says if one sin, if you have one sin in your life, that's enough to condemn you to the pit of hell for eternity. But thank God that Jesus came. Jesus came to stand in your place, in my place. To not only hide our sin, but to cover it. To cancel it out of our lives. To justify us just as if we'd never sinned. If you're in this place this morning, you need Jesus Christ to come into your life. To save you. Forgive you of all the sins and all the bad things. To let him take complete control of your life. Whatever that means. But Jesus, come into my life. If that's you, if you want to know this Jesus who gives life abundantly, and you're tired of your lifestyle, you're tired of the fighting, you're tired of the running, you just want to surrender everything to Jesus. This morning's a great day to do that. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just pray this prayer, mean it with all your heart. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, those in the room who've, maybe you've been, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for 10, 15, 20 years. Let's pray this in support of those who may be praying it for the very first time. Say, Lord Jesus. I come to you right now. I'm broken. I'm empty. I'm running on empty. But Jesus, I need you. Lord, I need you. Would you come into my life? Would you save me? Would you forgive me of my sin? All the bad things. All the wrong I've ever done. Jesus, cover those for me. I receive you now as Lord of my life. Take complete control. Take complete control. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you and you just said that prayer all over the room, if you just prayed that prayer, Pastor, I meant it with all my heart. I just asked Jesus Christ in my life. I've never done that. Would you just slip your hand up right now so we could pray for you and agree with you? Anybody in the room that says, I just prayed that. I asked Christ into my life. I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you.
2: What a great and beautiful day. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. It's not to embarrass anybody, but it's a step of faith to take you from where you've been to where you're going to be with
1: Jesus. As we begin to sing this this chorus, I'm going to ask you, if you just lifted your hand and said, hey, that was me, would you come down and let me pray for you? I know the Bible says it, and Jesus even spoke this. He said, if you're ashamed of me before men, if you deny me before men on, the, on this earth, I'll deny you before my Father. But if you'll take a stand for me, I'll stand with you and I'll never leave you, never forsake you. It's just a bold step of faith to let everyone know that Jesus is Lord of my life. Listen, if you can't stand for him in church, you'll never be able to make it out there. You're among family here, so as they begin to sing, and I count to three, would you come if you lifted your hand and said, hey, I just prayed that prayer. Jesus just came into my life. I'm saved. I'm born again. On the count of one, two, three, would you step out right where you are? On my left. Yes, sir. Come on. Yes, sir. In the back. Down front here. Come on. Just come stand right here. We want to pray for you. Come stand right here. It's a new day. It's a new day for you. It's a new season. Just stand right there. That's perfect. Anybody else? What a day. Open wide. King Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 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 Father, I thank you for these three who made a commitment to you. Lord, according to your word, today their names have been written in the Lamb's book. In the great book in heaven. Lord that on that day. On that great and dreadful day. When the end has come. Or when these pass on into eternity. Lord you will remember this day. You will remember writing in that book. These three names. So when the father says hey. Here comes this one. Here comes that one. He'll look to you Jesus. And you'll say hey I bought that one. I, I, I paid for that one. I redeemed that one. It was at Family Life Church in Warsaw. I remember. It was 2018. Daddy, let this one come in for eternity. Because they're mine. I bought them. I bought them back. I filled that empty vessel. Come on, can we celebrate three new into the kingdom, birthed in, new babies? And so you three... You three, just take a step right back over here. Just want to stand right, just stand right over here at these seats. I want to take you, just take a step back. We may have some things after we're done. They may want to put some literature in your hand or somebody may want to come back and, and minister to you. But I want to open up this altar for just a moment. Just got a couple of minutes, but it doesn't take a long time when God's in it. Just like that, suddenly. Acts 2, suddenly. But if you're empty and you say, God, I need you to fill me. I need that power. I need that precious Holy Spirit oil in my life. I need the fire of God burning in my life. I'm tired of being a lukewarm Christian. I'm tired of struggling. I need the boldness that, that, that Holy Spirit brings. I need that fire. That I want you to come and just, just make your way down to this altar. We want to just lay our hands on you. If you're on the ministry team, if you're on the ministry team, would you come and help us pray for those who are coming that, that want that fresh touch of God to fill them? We're going to pray for everyone here that wants that fresh oil, that fire of God. Doesn't matter how old, how young. God's not looking at age. He's not looking at gender. He's looking for hunger. He's looking for empty vessels. If you're on the ministry team, would you come and help us begin to lay hands and and pray? God's going to fill people with the Holy Spirit. God's going to fill you with power this morning. As we sing, He's filling, He's moving, the oil is flowing. It's like the roof has been lifted off of Family Life Church and right now that oil begins to flow over you. As we begin to minister, let let the Spirit of God begin to invade your life right where you are. Just drink Him in. He said, I'm a fountain. You drink from me, you'll never thirst again.